Hey everyone, welcome to Spillin' TV the podcast. I'm Tyler, and on this episode, I'm going to be getting into spooky season. So, um, I have this idea to do this se- this spooky season series in a way. I want to do four episodes dedicated to the spooky TV out there. So this first one, I am going to be talking about horror anthology series where each season is a different um, plot line with different characters. Um, so, uh... If you're listening to this, you probably have an idea of at least one of the shows I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to save that super popular one for last. And I'm going to begin with the one that I, I guess, know the least about, or, well, I've seen the the least of it. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, phone's on silent. Uh, So I'm going to start with the show that I know the least about, or I've seen the least of, and that is the show called Castle Rock which is available to watch on Hulu, and it was created by Sam Shaw and Dustin uh, Tom Thomason. And Castle Rock is based off of the um, Stephen King novel, I guess. Uh, I, again, I don't know a whole bunch about it, so I think the novel is called Castle Rock and is set in this town in Maine, uh, this fictional town in Maine, which is near Shawshank. Uh, and it's like this psychologically thrilling type of horror show i watched the first season and i i started the second one and i don't know what happened i like fell off um but uh (laughs) i keep saying uh uh i don't know how not to do that the the this episode is going to contain spoilers to a certain degree for some of these shows i'm going to talk about and i guess i'll give like an adequate adequate warning for you to skip forward if you don't want to hear them um but the first season focuses on this guy who left town and then returns for some reason but he was like suspected of like killing his father when he lived there and so he went away and i don't know i kind of think he might be like a cop or something but then his mom has like either dementia or alzheimer's and she kind of keeps slipping out of these different realities and timelines and she leaves these little i think they're chess pieces unless i'm confounding this with some other thing i've seen but she leaves these little like chess pieces to remind her of where she is in her timeline i guess and then there was this this girl the one from oh i don't know her name in real life Uh uh-huh her last name is levy her first name I don't know, I was gonna say Sarah, but that kind of doesn't feel right, and she, <laughs> Levy also might not be her last name, but she was in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, uh, and she was kind of like obsessed with something, got herself intertwined in this whole mess of a thing, and then the show was like super weird, and kind of, I was, I think I had gotten lost or confused, and it like, I don't know how I felt about it. I think that people enjoy it. Uh, I didn't not like it, but I was definitely kind of lost. And then finding out that there were these like two different timelines or universes, because at some point he kind of, or someone slips through the fabric of time and ends up in this other like universe where the dad wasn't dead, I think. And it was, it was a lot going on. Um, but I mean... I finished it. It was worth a watch, I think. And then this next season, I really thought that I would be super into it, and I don't know what happened. I don't remember disliking it, but um, it had Janice Ian. You know, Lizzie Kaplan was playing this nurse 
who was uh, mentally ill and like stealing pills I think I don't know what she was doing with the pills but she also had a daughter and they were like traveling in a car and that's kind of all I really remember about it and I did not finish it but I feel like I might get back to it you know it's October I might I might I might just do it um you know to fill the spooky tv void that I'm always trying to fill honestly uh so yeah that's really all I have to say about Castle Rock it's available to watch on Hulu it's a Hulu original um you know it's only two seasons I think each season is 10 episodes so if that's the psychological thrilling horror anthology is the thing you're into then you know give it give a give it a go uh I also realized that I wanted to talk about why well I actually don't know why why horror like why I enjoy it um but from a young age I feel like it's like kind of young to get into it but I started to enjoy horror films like horror movies and I don't (laughs) critically good I don't know what to say about that and I'm not like a horror aficionado I don't have super intense opinions about like horror movies and things like I have things about that I like more than others and things that I dislike about horror films and I guess the horror genre but I really started liking horror movies when I was like kind of young uh I feel like I feel like I want to say like seven or eight is when I started to get into them and I remember like you know how tv shows would have special horror episodes and like no they weren't like scary but they were kind of it was kind of fun a little spooky and you could see the characters being like afraid of things and I used to enjoy those like one uh, I don't even remember the premise but I remember loving whatever the Keenan and Kel uh like horror episodes were I think it was like a two-parter and I feel like they took a trip somewhere and it was like maybe ended up in a cabin but I remember loving that those episodes and like awaiting for them to come. And then like of course Disney Channel and awaiting those those horror movies to come out, like Halloween Town. Well they were like okay, let me not say horror movies. Well some of them did were a little more horrifying than others. Like Halloween Town was just like a fun romp. <laughs> fun for everyone. Couldn't wait for the month of October because of those Disney Channel, those DCOMs, Disney Channel original movies at Halloween Town, Twitches, um, Don't Look Under the Bed. Okay, there was, this, there was this other one, and I feel like people don't talk about it enough. Oh, okay, I think it was called Scream Team, and like, uh, there's a dude named Tommy Davis, I think Tom, like Tommy, like somebody was like in it with like a notable voice, like a black man with a notable voice, and I think... It might have been Tommy Davis, but at the same time, I feel like not enough people ever talk about Scream Team, and I remember loving that movie, and then, like, after, like, a few years, it felt like it fell out of the rotation of, um, these, like, October, the, the October Halloween-themed movies on Disney Channel, and I remember being disappointed and just, like, wondering where it went, um, so, yeah, those were great, and then later, uh, when I got, like, a little bit older, which I think it's just when I became more conscious of other channels that exist, um, ABC Family, which is not Freeform, but the 31 Nights of Halloween, because I remember I had, like, fond memories of 
how many days of Christmas did they, do? did they just do 12? I don't know, or, or did they do all 25? I remember they did the Christmas movies on ABC Family, and I had very fond memories of those. And then I guess the next year I realized I also did Halloween. And then I I remember, specific, like, like a Hocus Pocus, you know, um, A Nightmare Before Christmas, all that stuff. But the, oh, what was it called? The A Haunting Tower? Something like a haunted tower and there was like an elevator and like a little girl and like the people were dead and there was like a party and you had to ride up the elevator but something was cursed it was all in like a hotel i remember really liking it and i do not remember the name of it but that was like one of the ones i would look forward to and those were more you know kid-centric family-friendly horror movies but I also feel like I was exposed to like, you know, like a, like a rated R, like horror, uh, at like a fairly, fairly young, uh, at like a fairly young age. Um, I grew up, I was the only child, I grew up with my mom and my grandma, and no one really uh, monitored what I was watching. So sometimes I would end up like, and not even by choice necessarily, but um, sometimes my mom would fall asleep watching like a premium channel, like like a Showtime or like HBO or something, and they would show movies, and then somehow she would fall asleep. Next thing I know, I'm awake watching Amityville Horror, and I'm just staring at the screen, kind of freaked out, uh, trying to reconcile that this isn't real, and like trying to embrace uh, the humor within horror because that's really that's really part of the draw for me. I think I. I enjoy comedies like a lot. I think I think most of the shows that I watch are comedic in some sense, even if or you know they're comedies or they're dramas with comedic undertones or like dramedies, right? Um, and so, <laughs> like horror movies are funny if you <laughs> if you embrace the humor within it, right? There's like sure, like a bunch of them are like campy and like genuinely funny, but then some of them that aren't as more like overtly funny. Like Scream is like, I feel like Scream is objectively funny, and mo- more movies that may not be as funny over the top are still kind of funny if you really think about it. And I kind of feel like it's because they're traumatic, and from trauma can come comedy, like just as like a as a coping mechanism for all these like bad things going on. People crack jokes. And that, like, happens in horror. And if you think about it, it can really be funny. So I learned to embrace the comedy within the horror. And I frequently find myself laughing during horror movies. And some people think I'm weird for it. But, you know, they're funny. They're hilarious. Um, Like, the Halloween franchise is, like, one of my favorites. I, I, like... Yeah, like it's like probably my favorite one. Um, I've seen all of them: one, two, three, three without Michael Myers, four, R, H, two O, the new one, the new two. I've seen them all. Hilarious. Um, like and all the tropes are like so funny, and then like newer ones that really play up the tropes and things. I I appreciate that aspect of it, even though they're not as original. Um all the time like sinister was in my opinion i it could have been a callback to something but the sinister movies felt like a new take and i thought those were good and i really did enjoy them um insidious people are super into uh when i say people i mean like my best friend and her family like really 
thrive on insidious and I enjoy it, but I don't really find myself being frightened per se by these horror movies or shows anymore. Like, yes, I will admit a jump scare will still get me from time to time. Like, we'll get get my heart racing and I'll be like, oh well that was okay. I'm I'm invested again. I you know? So I just really always enjoyed them and I was recently talking to one of my co-workers about about horror movies because we were talking about Saw and uh we really we were we were talking we ended up talking about Saw but we were started talking about Scream Queens uh not not the Ryan Murphy series but the reality show that I feel like came on VH1 and VH1 had a bunch of reality shows during that era and um we were talking about the show and we were like did that girl that one even end up in the saw movie we were trying to recall it and she did we we figured it out she ended up apparently in two i don't know it was like she was open opening sequence of one and then maybe in another one we were kind of couldn't figure that one out but um that led us to talking about saw and liking horror and uh talking about how i didn't think it was super scary and she no, she doesn't think Saw is scary. Saw is not scary. It's just super gory and like I used to be really into it, but I'm I'm not as into I'm not as into gore anymore. Um, I want like a I want more substance, and I'm not saying that gore can't also have uh, these moments of substance and like more plot, but oftentimes I feel like it's like the plot and stuff is sacrificed for the sake of showing someone's arm getting cut out and like stomach being gutted. Um, in some senses. But um, she was talking about the ring and how she used to be afraid of the ring when she was younger. And I yeah, I have these, like, as, as random as it is, I have these, like, fond memories of the ring. Because I remember being at a sleepover uh, when I was younger for, like, one of my, like, elementary school friends' birthday parties. And uh, I don't know how dude sleepovers work, but we... I felt like there was always a, a point where we were watching some, you know, light and airy movie. And then at some point in the night, it would turn. And the next thing you know, you're watching a horror movie. And the horror movie that day was The Ring, right? So we'd, like, start off, we're watching, like, Honey, you know, watching her do all the dance and all that other stuff. And if you go back and look at Honey, the dancing is not as on point as we thought it was. But... Later in the night, we end up watching The Ring, and I remember some of the other girls being scared, and I was just, like, you know, watching it, and like, well, this is interesting, and I, it was just one of those quintessential, like, sleepover movies, like, and then that was, like, the first time that I'd seen it, and, like, the first sleepover that I happened at, but then I felt like in, like, subsequent sleepovers, it was like, who wants to watch The Ring, and then we'd end up watching it, and having, like, a good time, some people were, like, scared, and it was like, oh, just staying up to the middle of the night, talking nonsense and like recapping the fact that we watched this movie that we probably weren't supposed to watch um and it was really just good times and good vibes so I had like pleasant horror movie experiences so I wanted to watch more of them and then uh there was a second ring and me and my mom were were, <laughs> were watching it and this was a part of the conversation that my coworker looked at me like I uh was ridiculous because I told her how me and like how I cackled so me and my mom were watching the second ring and at some point the girl like crawls out of the well and the way in which she crawls up and out of this well 
had us in tears. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> like, it was truly hilarious. And I can't remember. And if I look at it now, I don't, I don't even know if it's actually still funny. But we were in tears laughing at this girl crawling out of this well because it felt like it was supposed to be so dramatic and, like, a little bit horrifying. But truly, we were in tears. And that's finding the humor beneath the horror. Um... And yeah, my coworker just looked at me like I had lost it all. So I've always had a, a thing for horror movies, but I'm not like super into them. So I don't know all these little niche subcultures within horror. Like I can't tell you the big horror namesakes of who made all the movies, and all the shows and things. So no, I'm not like a final girl or like a horror, horror pro, but I do enjoy them from time to time. And I do think that we should normalize watching them all year round and not just during quote-unquote spooky season because truly I started early in September so that I could watch some of these shows that I'm going to talk about and also some random movies because I had I had done like a free trial of um, the Shutter app which is the horror app and I watched some crappy movies and I, and I watched some TV so I had a good time with it. So delving back in, I talked about Castle Rock first um and I didn't have too much to say so the next show I'm going to talk about is uh The Haunting of Hill House which is the shorter of the other ones we're going to be talking about so Haunting of Hill House was created by Mike Flanagan and this thus far one season has aired it's a Netflix um series one season has come and gone and season two is um releasing on October 9th which has not happened yet as of me recording this. Um, and it, again, anthology where the seasons are different, but I'm, I'm counting this as this anthology series because it's like the haunting of, and the first season of the haunting of Hill House, but this next one is going to actually be called the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, but it's still the same creator and director and like the same people are working on it. And some, of the cast members are returning to you know play new roles so i'm gonna i'm gonna count this still because i mean where else would it go uh but the haunting of hill house i love i don't know i don't necessarily think that that's a controversial opinion but i because i there are other people that loved it but i also think there are people out there that didn't but that's you know the standard across anything some people like it some people don't but oh wow the haunting of hill house was so good like in in my opinion and it like had all these it, it, people were able to make these theories and connections and these deeper things that made me really think when i wasn't necessarily thinking and i don't think that the show itself was like super scary but some people really did find it actually scary um there were scenes where there were like some jump scares. There was one in particular that really got me. Uh, it was like the scene in the car, and I don't remember exactly, but I think it was um, the two two sisters. Uh, man, I was just looking at these character names. Uh, Theo and Sherry. I'm thinking Sherry, right? They're like in the car and in the front seat, and then all of a sudden, a go the ghost. And the, I guess this is maybe a spoiler or, mm, I don't know. This could be a spoiler. So I'm spoiling the haunting of the house if you wish, if you care. Uh, the ghost of like their sister now like 
just comes and I think she screams, right? Just like right between them through the backseat. And oh, wow. It took me out. It took them out. <laughs> Everybody was taken aback and I was unprepared. Uh, but I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> they really got me there. Um, but I just found, I found the writing, I thought, I thought the writing was good, I thought the plot was good, I, sometimes I think that these shows with, like, these haunting, or, or, like, the shows or movies with, like, hauntings can kind of be a little overdone and not super original, but this one really felt like it was, um, I, I loved it, the casting was great, so, um, if you don't know what The Haunting of a House was, it was this family that was like ha- haunted by this home essentially right they move into this home and what we see are flashbacks and present day with these uh what was it five denial anger depression but some like five right five siblings and uh and they had had parents um the mom passed away when they were kids and living in the house and the dad was still alive uh and we kind of see how the house affected them and started to affect them when they were young so we see flashbacks of them as like little kids and then we see them present day dealing with the traumas of the home and like new information and like existing in the world and all this other stuff and then like the brother one of the brothers who the worst by the way i wish i could remember his name but i know i hated him (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea what his name was and I feel like that's the point he was the worst though it's not Luke so it's the other brother if you're wondering uh the absolute worst he wrote this like book and that's not why he sucked but he wrote this book about their experience in the house and then it's like he was fake anyway because he didn't even experience the hauntings or see any of the ghosts he was just like co-opting their experience um so he was trash and he judged them, and it was weird, and there was tension between them, and when they were older, they were all strained, and their relationships were all over the place. Uh, and then were they? And then there was a set of twins, um, Luke and Nell, and they they, uh, they were twins, so they were like the closest, like the closest bond between each other. They were just like connected, and um, in like a weird way. Like I think that twins are both interesting, and then also like kind of weird. Um, in the in the I think that the the idea of, like, twins is interesting, and then I also think that their dynamics are interesting, usually in, like, real life, but then, like, in media and shows you watch, they're both simultaneously interesting and then, like, super weird in the way that they get portrayed often. Um, I feel like Teenage Bounty Hunters was probably, like, the least weird way to portray them. Uh, It was just, like, they actually loved each other and were close, and it was actually really beautiful. But um, this, they loved each other, they were close, and it was kind of (laughs) weird. Like, super super protective of one another my mom is calling me okay i'll answer it all right i talked to my mom <laughs> uh so yeah the relationship was super close very protective of one another like nell felt i guess kind of response like so luke again spoilers for haunting of hells luke um battled uh addiction for a chunk of his life and nell kind of felt responsible for his sobriety and keeping him safe and all this other stuff and he had these like addiction issues in part to the trauma experienced at Hill House, which was wow. The fact that any of them left that place and experienced any sense of normalcy, wild. So I know that I definitely started this sentence by saying that 
like <laughs> started out by saying the casting was great. I wanted to say uh, the casting for like the younger Crane siblings, A1. Like they they were just so great in the way that they like the majority of them were like so great in the way that they mirrored the older ones and like you could kind of like like no obviously they're not related and whatever but you can kind of like feel uh or not only feel you could like see it right like there was an aesthetic portion of it that was believable for most of them except the one that that i hate uh, i didn't hate him as a kid but the, the old man wasn't he ben i'm not gonna look it up <laughs> it could be ben who knows hated hated ah, that guy sucked um but like young luke was adorable he had the like thickest glasses he was so sweet it was just oh it was so adorable and i asked this question numerous times to myself and to anyone that would listen to me i'm like where did his glasses go i wanted them to explain how he didn't need them when he was older did he get contacts and then i was like i feel like he didn't have contacts because he was like like on the street and I don't, maybe it's my ignorance, but I felt like he wouldn't be able to maintain them if he was, like, living on the streets for, like, a little bit. So, maybe he just, like, stopped using them and, like, couldn't see that well. Um, but I really, I just wanted someone to explain it. Maybe at LASIK? Like, I, I want to know. Um, and then Young Nell was also adorable. And now I'm, I'm honing in on this point. She was saying things that were creepy. She was saying, she was seeing stuff and having these dreams. She was super scared. When kids say this stuff, we need to listen to them. Like, if I have a child and uh, that child says they see some weird stuff in the house, we're moving. I'm burning it down and we're getting out of there because, I, no, I'm not here for it. I'm not trusting that. I'm not letting them tell me for, like, for, like, weeks and then months. And the next thing I know, I'm experiencing and I'm possessed. And then, like, the kids killed me or something like that. I don't know. I don't have time for that. So we need to listen to the youth because they are not making up these spirits or ghosts or ghouls that they're experiencing. They're real. We don't have time. If your dog is barking at nothing, it's probably a haunting. Get out. Um, yep. So they really should just listen to her and got, gotten out the jam. Like the house was huge. I don't, I don't even remember how they came into the house. Like it was huge. And then it was like the secret tea room and that was sketch and Wow, and then the mom, and then mental illness. Like, mental illness was, like, all over this show. Um, like, anxiety, depression, and then I felt like it, like I feel like I'm missing one. But it was ever-present, and it, it was essentially a character. And then the, the film was, like, filled with ghosts. And then if you, like, if you watch the show and then you, like, read some stuff, you're, like, there were, like, so many ghosts just, like, lurking in the background of many of the scenes that took place in there that some of them you missed, some of them you saw, and it's, like, if you go back and look and, like, try to spot all the ghosts, and I don't know, it's fun or something, uh, but just wild, and I really enjoyed it, and then there were all these, uh, like, articles and stuff, and I saw one in particular that I saw on BuzzFeed, and I don't actually know who to credit for coming up with the thing, but they said that each of the Crane siblings represented one of the stages of grief. So, like, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Uh, and I thought that was a super interesting take. And if you rewatch it through that lens, it's, like, I'm just like it's interesting. And, oh, man, wish I thought of it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Haunting of the House is really good. And I'm really excited for the second season. And I... I wish that I had more people that I knew personally that watched it that I could talk about it with because I keep trying to get my best friend to do it, but she's kind of easily spooked 
depending on the time of day. So when it gets late, she won't watch it. If it's dark, she won't watch it. And so it's like all these stipulations. Like, come on, please. I just want, I just want someone else to see it so I can talk about it more. That's like my whole goal. I just want everyone to watch what I watch that so that I can talk about it. It's only selfish reasons. Like, yes, sometimes I do just want to expose people to things that I think are good. But also, I just want to be able to talk to someone else about it, um, like in person. So, Haunting of Hill House. Can't wait for the Haunting of Bly Manor. It drops on Friday. And please, oh, if I, I'm certain that I will wake up early and watch at least one episode before I go to work. And I know that I will watch probably like three to four when I get home from work and then finish it on Saturday and I can't wait. Um, And I don't know, maybe mm, like I have this whole like spooky season idea. So maybe maybe I'll dedicate part of one of the episodes of just talking about the second season. We'll see. Uh, So Haunting of Hill House. Okay. (laughs) Uh, next up, the next one I want to talk about is Channel Zero, which I feel like people don't talk about enough, and I say that because, and it's like, hmm, what people am I talking about? People in my real life, and in my personal life, so none of them are talking about it, it's just me, so therefore, people don't talk about this show enough. Uh, Haunting, uh, nope, (laughs) Channel Zero was created by Nick and Tosca. Uh, It's four seasons, again, anthology, each season is different. Um, this, this show is American, but it is all filmed in Canada. And I, I didn't really pick up on that until I was like, there are a bunch of Canadian, like, well, some extras and then like also like people that I've seen in other things that are Canadian. So I'm like, this has to be filmed in Canada. And then I started to wonder if it was a Canadian show and then I looked it up and it's not. So, uh, what makes Channel Zero different uh, I guess that's not really fair, right? Because all these shows are different, right? Uh, Castle Rock, based off of Stephen King, Haunting of the House. I don't actually know if there's any, like, source material for that one. But Channel Zero is, each season is based off of a different creepypasta. And uh, creepypastas, if you don't know, are these, like, internet horror stories. And I used to read creepypasta when I was younger, um, I know for certain when I was in high school, and also I'm pretty sure that I was aware of it before high school, and I, <laughs> I like read that Rugrats theory on creepypasta for sure, and man, did it freak me out for some reason. Like the thought that all the kids were dead. If you don't know the Rugrats theory, you should look it up and read it now because I'm really doing like it. No, I'm not doing it justice, but. Essentially, all the kids were dead except for Angelica and except for um, Dill, right? Uh, they they were different. Like Chucky, like died in the car crash with the mom and was like a figment of what's his dad's name? Whatever, whatever his dad, Chaz. I don't know his dad's like imagination or whatever, uh, like a manifestation of his anxiety and all this other stuff. And then like Tommy, Maya, whatever. It was super dark, right? And, like, it's super dark because it's, like, dead babies. But Angelica was real. And then, like, the Cynthia doll was a representation of her actual mother who was, like, on drugs and, like, on on the street or whatever. I don't know. And then she's, like, in therapy and, like, Susie's a therapist. It was wild. Um, Disproven. uh, Like, the the actual, I, I think the actual, like, creators actually, like, came out and said that this theory is not real. 
this show is not about dead babies um having adventures wow uh <laughs> dead baby adventures that's super messed up super dark super morbid um but it made me think about grace anatomy and the dead baby bike dead baby bike race i don't even remember what the like the origination of like that was but that's what it was called in like early in the show maybe season one maybe episode two like <laughs> super early so channels oh creepypasta uh re- read the regress theory but whenever i bring this up and say it to people they have no idea what i'm talking about and i don't know if that makes me the weirdo or if it's them but someone in this equation is the weirdo and i just want to say it's not me uh, i just want to hope it's not me so and i also like i just feel like people know like well obviously people know because they base the whole show off of them and then i also think i forgot to look this up again but i think that slenderman like the movie and like the whole like lore of it is like from a creepypasta um also that movie was trash like i wanted so much more from it and i got nothing that i actually wanted um and so channel zero each season is based off of a different creepypasta and i think that it's actually really well done um each season there are four seasons each one is six episodes which i think in general is a short very short season but in the terms of telling a story, I think it was a really good length because it was enough episodes to introduce some other stuff, like get us a little bit more invested in these people that the things are happening to, and like, but also not too long where there's like the saggy middle portion of the season. Like, sure, there were seasons where there was like an episode that was kind of like, why did we do this one? But overall, I felt like the six episode structure allowed it to kind of just get to the, get to the stuff, right? Tell me what I needed to know, show me what I needed to see, give me give me the backstory, give me the current story, and like wrap it up however you're gonna wrap it up, but like also not in a completely fulfilling way. Uh, kind of had to leave it a little bit open, or I don't know, just just not completely close. Like it never really felt like okay, case closed. This is done and wrapped. And that might just be like the like the nature of the stories that were being told, but that's channel zero and now I'm gonna start talking about the seasons and there are gonna be spoilers, uh because I mean, what why not? Uh <laughs> so season one was called um Candle Clove and it was about this guy who had uh grown up in this I wanna say small town, and when he was younger he he had a twin and when he was younger he ended up seeing this like show and this show we learn kind of exists but also kind of doesn't exist like there's no record of the show and when people's parents saw them allegedly watching it they would just see the static and them watching like a dead channel so it was only visible to to children and certain children at that and so uh he ends up having to come home because he had this whole like essentially psychotic break um and his wife kind of kicked him out and he had a kid too and he gets he has to go back home and stays with his mom and we learn that his brother died when he was younger like 12 and his brother along with i don't know like five or so other like 12 year olds died and the death was like mysterious and they kind of found them like in trees or whatever super weird uh but what what's learned is that some of the kids were under the influence like of this show and these weird puppet things that were kind of creepy and um they were like 
were like haunting his dreams and his like reality and there was this like this meshing of real and fake and kind of didn't know and then like some of the characters like <laughs> it was like the skeleton person like you see them in real life and i was like okay is he hallucinating or is that actually like a person in this thing and you, it, you find out that it's actually a person and then you find out that his brother is like lurking in this other dimension like beyond the tv and within this whole thing and there's this tooth this tooth monster it's like made up of teeth and like now that the guy has returned kids are seeing candle cove again and again being influenced and like pulling her teeth out and like stabbing the brothers right a wild ride uh truly from start to finish it's a wild ride and yeah like really i really think that season one was actually really good um and i was like really drawn in trying to figure it out and then it's like plot twists and oh it was super interesting i really enjoyed it and then season two was called no end house and season two is the reason i even found out what the show was because um asia d who plays cat edison on the bold type was in season two of the show no end house and she was like like promoting it on like social media and so i saw it and i was like oh well i want to see what else she's in i'm I'm gonna support this when it airs so i remember like watching season two when it was airing on (laughs) sci-fi yeah my best friend to watch some of it with me and um it was about this like traveling haunted house experience where it was like it would just pop up right and there was no no warning or where it was going to be or when it was going to be but it would just show up and then everyone knew or wanted to go and see it because it was like attraction and i'm just gonna be 100 percent honest i know i said like i'm not like afraid of like horror movies and stuff like that but i'm certain i've never been to a haunted house and i'm sure that i don't want to i would freak out and i don't and i don't know why like, <laughs> like i just know that i would be terrified in one because embarrassingly i was terrified of a fun house when i was like i was gonna say nine but nine feels like too young i think i was older than that so i was even more embarrassed but i got paralyzed with fear in a fun house and my mom and it got like i got like shut down for a minute because my mom to like come in and like rescue me and then like my friends had left me it was humiliating and um yeah so haunted house is not gonna be my thing never done one not really not really looking to do one don't think i want to face that fear so i would not have participated in this and then it would have been to my advantage so when you go into this um there's like haunted house experience it's called no end house and I was going to say it's because people get stuck in there, but I'm thinking it's because there's no end to the experience once you get far enough into it. Uh, some people back out like, immediately, but the rooms in this house take you through this, like, these different, like, psychological tests to see who will survive or make it to the next one. Um, and there's, there's a lot of blood, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of, like, seeing people that are, like, dead. It was, it was, I don't know. I, I was trying to really figure some stuff out when I was watching it. Uh, a little confusing. I did find it interesting and I did find it captivating. And I did want to know more. And I did have so many questions that I really wish we could have gotten into. But that's just like not what this show is about. So one thing I will say is that 
sometimes you have questions because you want more backstory, but that's really not what we get with this. So, I but I still enjoyed it. Um, season three, Butcher Block, Butcher's Butcher's Block or Butcher Block, one of those, right? Not not my favorite, uh, because but the the whole butcher aspect of it is we're chopping up people and eating them. There's some cannibalism there, and not a fan of cannibalism, uh, real or fictional. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I just like, would like to say I've never been in, I've never encountered a situation where cannibalism was legitimately like in, in the real world in, in my face. Um, I would oh, I'd be horrified if that was a thing, but I also don't super love fictional cannibalism either. Um, it's just not really my favorite type of plot. So this one focused on these, uh, sisters and one was a think schizophrenic and like taking like her meds for it. another one was super concerned about her and then we find out that their mom was also schizophrenic and like the the, the other sisters get into the age where the other two were like diagnosed and then she's like afraid of being like them because she wants to be in control of all of her whatever mental faculties or whatever and just doesn't want to be dependent on like i don't know meds and all this other stuff and they moved to this place and we found out she's got like debt but that was like a kind of weird aspect of it and i never i was like is this like real like does this like i don't know uh, um that was that part was kind of weird and they move into this apartment and this lady is there and they end up seeing like this guy and uh if if things were like normal he would be dead because he would have been born like i don't know like a hundred or some bunch of years ago and not that people are a hundred don't exist, but he didn't look like he was a hundred years old, right? So it was kind of like something was going on here, and it was like all of his siblings like died in like a house fire, and it's like he went like he disappeared, and then like people still see him, and there was a random set of stairs that appear out of nowhere, and they're trying to figure this out, and he's like pulling out or doing something like removed her schizophrenia like the like the sisters it was kind of weird and they were eating people and kind of glamoured and it didn't look like they were eating people like it looked like they were eating like i don't know turkey and like dressing but then it's like once you remove the glamour it's like that's that's like a human leg and then like intestines right so that was it was like very like graphic uh and kind of confusing and just like i wasn't I wasn't as invested. I didn't find myself really trying to know more. Um, and then one of the people was this guy who I had seen before. And I remembered him because he was in debt to me. Uh, he was in the first season and I think maybe one to two episodes of the second season. He played Judy's girl girlfriend. No, he, no that's Natalie Morales. He played Judy's boyfriend in season one. And uh, he was also in Grey's Anatomy. Uh, in some of the earlier seasons, he was one of the, the interns, whose name I don't remember. Uh, I feel like it might have been, like, season four-ish. Uh, but mm, I kind of don't remember <laughs> fully. I used to I used to have a really clear grasp on when different things happened in Grey's Anatomy. And now certain things kind of just mesh to earlier seasons and I don't know anymore. But he was in there. And, uh, he was a cop, so 
not whatever you know do with that what you will and then he like didn't believe them and it's like you literally saw the staircase and then you didn't see it so it like the stairway to heaven appeared and disappeared so come on now obviously something's up um and then there was like the dude who was eating people and then he's like arrested him and like nothing happened and then he saw the dude get arrested and then he got like chopped up <laughs> at one point he got like almost dead and then his dad oh, was covering up a conspiracy. It was a lot going on, actually. And I guess it's, like, worth a watch. It just, like, wasn't my favorite of the seasons of Channel Zero. So then uh, the final season of Channel Zero was called Dream Door. And I really liked it. Uh, <laughs> so it, like, starts. It's following. The same dude is back. The one that just said it was a cop. That was in Dead to Me and Grey's Anatomy. He's back. It's, like, one of the main people. And he's married to this uh, woman, and they end up in getting a home after they get married. Uh, his mom, like, leaves it to them. And then, you know, just looking around. They go in the basement, and they see this door that's just, like, uh, like uh, in this wall. And also, like, a random dog appears. And then they're just like, I guess we have a dog now. And it's like, where did the dog come from that was just in your basement? That doesn't make any sense. And you're just going to keep it? And they never took it to, like, make sure that it was, like, okay, like, to a vet, you know, get it checked out. So, like, just so many red flags. They're already making poor choices. And then they're trying to, like, open this door, and it won't open. And then they're, like, let's sh And then they got, like, this friend who's, like, I'm going to shoot it. And he, like, shoots at the door. And then they get it open, and they go down these stairs. And there's another door with a little handprint on it that they can't open. And, again, they're, like, shooting at that. And it's ridiculous. They're making really questionable decisions. Um, and then you also, like, learn essentially right away that the wife's got these trust issues and, like, is in therapy. And, you know, just just got a lot going on mentally. And then the husband is also kind of, like, a little bit untrustworthy. Like, she just doesn't trust. Like, she doesn't trust him because he has trust issues. But then also he is, like, hiding something. And it's like all right, you're kind of gaslighting her by making her think that she has nothing to worry about. But truly, you are hiding something. So I really hated that aspect of it. Because it's like, if you want... The, and I have this problem with something that's going to come up next. But it's like, what do you want to show? Do you want to show that this man is untrustworthy? Or do you want to show that this woman is like having these mental like health issues? Or do you want to show both? But then it doesn't feel right because it's like, are we supposed to, like, see that she is letting her, like, past block her present? Or or what? Because she is, but she isn't because he's actually lying and you're trying to make her just feel like she's supposed to trust him even though he's full of crap. So I really hated that. Um, but anyway, the woman ends up able to, ends up being able to open that little door in the bottom. And then in a moment of true hilarity to me, <laughs> this contortionist like clown white thing comes like just running out the door all bendy and weird um and when I say white like I don't mean like Caucasian I mean like paper like painted like paper white um just to clarify and, and it's got like like a smile like hmm I don't actually know if a smile was painted on but it was like a huge smile like not natural uh and then it's got this like red sweater on and it's all bendy right because con contortion 
And it's hilarious. And truly, I laughed many times during the season. I thought so much of it was hilarious. And I don't know if I was supposed to. But that little thing had me weak. And it also does a bunch of killing. It kills, uh, like, a lot of people. (laughs) And, uh, like, it kills, like, it kills people. And we end up finding out that it's a, not a figment of her imagination, but it's a manifestation of her, I guess, anxieties and, like, fears. And it's, like, trying to protect her. So it's, like, killing these people that are upsetting her, essentially. Uh, so truly ride or die. And it's like, I, (laughs) so, okay, so that, it kills people. And so this one, this season was like a little bit bloody. Like there was like a lot of murder, but this thing didn't have blood because it wasn't like a real person. And so I found myself saying aloud to me, because no one, it's just me. Uh, wow, that thing's really leaking a lot of, leaking a lot of, uh, face milk. So... (laughs) I think the thing got shot or, like, slashed or gashed or whatever, but no blood. So it was leaking this, like, it's it's white liquid, and I just was calling it milk. Because, like, at one point, something happens to his face, and it's, like, you just seen it, and, and it does look super gross. But it's just also just, like, <laughs> leaking, like, face milk, like, oat milk coming out the cheeks of his face. And funny. I don't know. It was It was comedic. And just some of the things that he was doing fold, folding into places like bending his arms and oh it was so funny um and then like their neighbor ends up intertwined in this whole ordeal deeper than you originally think it's like you kind of find him suspicious but then when you find out why he's this way it's like whoa i really did not see that particular thing coming uh so I enjoyed it, and I kind of wish that there was more uh, I got. So this show, Tano Zero, is, as far as I know, only available available to watch on Shudder. And you can get a free trial of Shudder. You can do a seven-day. If you found a code, you can do 30 days, and you can watch it all and watch some other stuff, too. Um, but I do. I think it's worth the watch. If if you enjoy any type of, like, spooky TV or something you're looking for where it's not a uh, Super long commitment because overall it's only 24 episodes in total. And if one of the seasons isn't for you, then like that's fine. No harm, no foul. Uh, it's a free trial. Uh, but if you're you're into it and you're enjoying it, you know, keep watching it. There's original content on there, other shows and stuff that might also be good. Uh, I didn't I didn't delve deep into the catalog really. Just came for a few things and watched them. But Channel Zero truly enjoyed it. Um, think it's was really well done uh and an interesting concept so all right so now we are <laughs> finally at the last show uh, the one that if you were listening to this and thinking about oh horror anthology series where the seasons are different this is probably the first show that came to mind and that is american horror story right i was gonna say saving the best for last but i don't know if that's true um so just gonna preface this i thoroughly enjoy american horror story i have seen essentially every season and i have ranked the seasons one through seven uh before on on the website on the blog and um i also am kind of critical of it but i'm also critical of many things that i enjoy i loved glee but i am super critical of glee also you know just 
there's balances. So, <laughs> American Horror Story is created by Ryan Murphy, which was the reason that I brought up Lee, if you were unfamiliar. And it, I don't even know how to describe it as a whole. Like, other than it's a horror anthology series with, like, these different plots that are, uh, there are many theories that connect the the threads of these seasons together. And then, like, those, like, theories that do so, but then there are also elements, like, like, legitimate, like, not even theorized that connect some of the seasons together in a way. And I kind of, like, honestly, after this, I might read some, like, think pieces or, like, watch some of the videos that give you a timeline and, um, uh, string them all together. But I also have some feelings about the idea that they're strung together because it's, like, these are the same, like, actors and they look the same and, like, how are they connected and in the same time period and i don't know i just i i i I have some qualms (laughs) i don't know i have feelings and thoughts and i just i don't know how to how to explain or describe that so i'm just gonna go through the seasons and kind of talk about what went down in them a little bit and how i felt about the season as a whole and then, like, maybe I'll do a new ranking at the end. I don't know if I can keep my thoughts organized enough to do so, though. But, uh, yes, yeah, season one. So we start American Horror Story with season one called Murder House. And Connie Britton's in it. And if you've seen Friday Night Lights, she is in that. Uh, <laughs> I've only seen the first season. And so, therefore, I don't remember what her name is. But she is married to Coach Taylor. You know, she's some Taylor. It's not Connie. I have no idea what her name is in there. But she's in Friday Night Lights, if you've seen that. She was also in Nashville, if you've seen that. I do not know the Venn diagram of people that have seen Nashville and American Horror Story. I know that it is me. I've seen both. Uh, I've seen all of Nashville. Uh, and I had a pretty good time watching it. I'm not going to lie. I thought a bunch of the songs slapped. Um, yep, I fully <laughs> enjoyed a bunch of that music. I will not lie. Um, and so I was like, oh, this lady, okay, I'm like, I'm here for it, I'm into it, let's see what's going on, and then it's like, not at all, uh, she is not playing that character, and the first season is like, super dark and weird, and there's like a leather dude, and oh man, and like, school murder, uh, that just felt like that, felt better to say than the the other thing where kids die at school, uh, so like that happened and then there's like people that are people are dead but then you like don't know who's dead and then it's like reveals of who's dead because like if you die on the property your like ghost like haunts it essentially um and you have the ability to make yourself visible or invisible to the people that are alive and i thought that was kind of interesting and I think that, like, like in general, that this season is the most horror um, with, like, all the ghosts and these hauntings and this, like, not knowing who's living or who's dead, really. And, like, like the, like the maid lady. Oh, that old lady. Oh, I wish I knew her real name. I only know her as Myrtle, and that's not even from this season. But it's, like, she's dead but they, like, don't know that, and then, like, sometimes she appears as this, like, I really was about to say pretty young thing, but, like, as this, like, uh, I guess objectively, like, beautiful younger woman who, like, seduces the dude, the guys, 
yeah, it was only guys, like, seduces the guys. And then there's, like, murder in the basement, and somehow the Black Dahlia plays a part in all of this. And her murder. And I'm remembering things as I'm saying stuff, because I'm like, sometimes in these seasons of American Horror Story, they, like, throw in some stuff that was, like, real life. And then connect it to the stuff that's like fictional. And then you're kind of just like, well, wait a minute. Was this real or not? Um, And I don't mean like this haunting stuff. But I mean like, I don't remember what the in, in, in the show happened to the Black Dahlia. But then I'm like, is this a clue? Because if I'm not, missed, ooh, I could be fully mistaken. There was a movie about her. Like with her murder. I feel like her murder was like never solved. And so I was like, is this a clue? You know, like we're putting the pieces together. We're going to like scooby like mysteries inc like solve this um so that season one we get murder house then you get season two well okay season one murder house i enjoyed it i thought it was interesting i thought some of it was super dark super morbid super twisted um like like most most of these seasons have like some very very dark or morbid or just like ethically questionable elements of them and honestly, that is the same with a bunch of Ryan Murphy projects because Glee has questionable ethics written all over it, as does The Politician, as does, I don't know, probably Nip Tuck. I never saw it, but I feel like it's questionable morals or ethics in there too. So uh, yeah, he has a brand. I will say that. Ratchet, that's in there. I'm going to talk about that at a later date, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, so yes questionable ethics and morals season two asylum not i'm this may or may not be controversial i don't actually know because i i've heard people like sing asylum's praise essentially like really enjoy it but i'm not one of those people uh one thing that i feel like ryan murphy falls victim to in in these american horror story seasons is putting too much stuff in it uh too much stuff too many threads to follow, kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so we get Asylum where I feel it's been so long since I've seen it, especially since I've seen the beginning of it because I saw the first part of Asylum when it was like airing like weekly and then I fell off and finished it like later when it ended up on Netflix or something. And it like, I think it starts with this like alien abduction and I don't know if we're supposed to believe it's true or believe it's not true, but it is true, but then the the guy who played by Evan Peters, who was in a bunch of these seasons, ends up in like the mental asylum, but then it's like aliens are actually real, and so same thing I was saying earlier with Channel Zero, what am I supposed to take away from this? Because it's like the aliens are actually real, so he does not need to be in this asylum because the stuff he's saying actually happened, and then you got like the nuns are like cursed i don't mean cursed what are, what's what's bad the, the the nuns are bad corrupt it's corrupt that's the word i'm looking for the nuns are corrupt the aliens are real they're in the asylum lesbianism is a mental illness at this point in time um so you got the only character name i remember lana winters played by sarah paulson in there trying to make her not gay and then it's like i just distinctly have this memory of her like at the end of the season rolling away in the back of a car that's like uh, maybe it's like a taxi or whatever and she's got like her middle finger up at whoever i don't even remember 
Um, but it's just like so much. There's so much going on. I feel like why do I feel like someone like lost their legs? You got like oh, what's Misty Day? That's not her name in this. Uh, Lily Rabe. Wait, I don't think that's her. Oh, is it Chloe Savigny? I might be saying her name wrong, but you got her, and she's in this one, and some weird twist of stuff went down, and I don't even remember it, but it was just like, it just felt like there were too many elements um, combating for dominance, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. So then we fast forward to season three, which is Coven, which, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, one of my favorites. So I I think I still hold these feelings. So I still think that, uh, like in the in, in the horrific sense, Murder House is like number one. But then in the like, uh, in in most enjoyed watching like plot and all that other stuff, Coven. Even though Coven also had many convoluted elements, like there was a lot going on. There was like voodoo elements of the witchcraft. There was just witchcraft, witchcraft. There was racism. There was Kathy Bates as the racist. There was like, 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 uh, like human head or like, it was either human head on like animal body or it was like animal head on human body. It was something super dark going on with that. There was like, I said racism, but then there was, there was also this weird stuff going on with like black male bodies. Cause I think that's who was like, uh, mishmashed into essentially a monster. You got Evan Peters as, as basically a zombie at some point. You got, what's her name? I, <laughs> I almost called her Chanel Oberlin. Um, that's not her name in real life, nor on this show. That is her name in Scream Queens. Um, Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts playing the same character she always plays, essentially, right? Like, she was, like, a celebrity, and so she's, like, thinks she's better than everyone else, and she's also a witch and whatever, She's in there, um, doing a lot. <laughs> you got now Lily Rabe, who I'm actually talking about, who is in love. Uh, I don't mean like in love, like, I want to marry Stevie Nicks. No, she's like obsessed with like Stevie Nicks, like the white witch. You get Stevie Nicks at some point, I think. I don't know if it's in this season or if it happened later, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Stevie Nicks makes an appearance, uh, and it was actually great um and misty day like <laughs> lily ray plays the character misty day and she's just i like i really i really liked her she was just kind of kind of great kind of just like free spirit in and around but like also kind of dabbling in like necromancy um so <laughs> yes and then you got like sarah paulson and she's like blind uh she plays this woman cordelia and so there are certain seasons where I know people's names and then other ones where like I don't and never just never learned them um but she's playing like Cordelia and I remember her bling 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 being blind at one point uh and I don't remember if it was in the beginning and then she does some stuff and then she's unblind or if it was like no 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 she I think she started off blind but then like wasn't at the end and did we get Angela Bassett in this season that also gives this season points. Angela Bassett and, uh, oh, Gabourey Sidibe. I just really hope I said that right. Um, she was precious in this, played Queenie. And she was in some other stuff. Part of me thinks she was in the Big C for a while. 
uh, which is a show that I watched. It had Laura Linney in it. Okay, beside the point. <laughs> Coven. Coven was great. It it had it had a lot of stuff going on, but like as I like said all that stuff. Ooh, and like a little bit like super inappropriate like mother son stuff with Evan Peters and his mom. Like real gross, real 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 bad, like real bad. Uh, but Coven is good. American Horror Story is really not for the weak at heart because it is so dark and just I don't know what else to say about it. So then you get season four, which again not 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 my favorite. Season four is called Freak Show, and as I'm saying this, I'll, I'll explain Freak Show whatever. But um, I feel like a, a lot of times the the even numbered seasons just really didn't do it for me. Like two, four, six, no. Uh, um, so, for a freak show, again, not a huge fan, um, once again, I felt like there was too much going on, there were, and then I also, like, struggled with the concept of this whole idea of, like, a freak show in general, because it's like, who is profiting off of this idea of the freak show? Is it these people with physical disabilities that are, like, capitalizing on, like, what they've been handed in life? Or is it, like, able-bodied people capitalizing off of these people's physical disabilities, right? So I was kind of just, like, trying to figure out where I fell on, like, the spectrum of that. And then it's also, like, this is American Horror Story. Like, what hill are you really trying to die on? Because there, there's problems. It's problematic all over the place. But there's also exists many problematic, like, tropes and themes within, within the horror genre, like, in and of itself. So that's a larger conversation, but Freak Show just, I don't know, there was this killer clown, but then again, spoilers for Freak Show, the clown dies, and then it's like, okay, so who's the new villain, and this dude with the smooth face, and I wish I knew his name, but I do not, but his face is, his face is so smooth, but I say that to people, and I think they judge me, so <laughs> I don't know, but like, he's in there, and he's a villain, and he lives with his mom, and then Sarah Paulson's got two heads, and Oh, a little ma petite. I remember I was kind of wrecked by that whole situation. And then, okay, this is this is just me like judging. So Kathy Bates is in the season. Nothing wrong with Kathy Bates, but she plays the bearded lady, and she's like in in the freak show, and it's like bearded lady, and it's like okay, I'm just pardon my ignorance, right? I don't understand how that's such a, a feat. It's just hair. And if you don't want it, you can get rid of it. You can shave your face. Men do it like every day. So you can do it too. If you don't want to have the facial hair and don't want to be the bearded lady, but you don't need to act like you are, maybe, okay, maybe again, pardon my ignorance, maybe the hair grows so rapidly that you can't shave it. Granted, I can't conceptualize that like like so fast growing that it doesn't even last a day. Like, even if you get a five o'clock, five, like, five o'clock shadow, it's, like, it's not going to be, like, not, like, super, like, bearded, right? It, and then, like, and then there's, like, stuff, right? You can get laser, laser hair removal. I don't think you can nair your face, but there's probably, like, nair for men or something that actually goes on your face. I just feel like there are ways to mediate this alleged problem, and you don't need to, like, identify yourself as like a freak and unlovable and unlovable because your face grows hair I just really feel like that doesn't have to be the case and I say that as a person who like my arms are like hairy my legs for the most part are hairy unless I shave them like my face like if you like look and I don't know if it's like just my face but like if you like look at my face there's like 
little hairs like all over so i'm not understanding you can handle you can deal with that problem you don't you don't have to you don't have to have that problem you're kind of just like i don't know <laughs> i don't know i just feel like she didn't have to be that way um and then you got like angela bassett i think had like a third boob and then she also might have been like in like intersex but that's not like that part of her was like on display it was it was really the, the third boob that did it but i don't know i thought that whole thing was like rude as well like if like people whom are intersex aren't freaks like it is a whatever okay i'm not gonna get into it that's why i had so many problems with freak show i didn't love it and then i didn't think that any of the stuff was really relevant and i got rid of the clown and it's like the clown was like the whole draw and like now here we are and you're like pickling uh quote-unquote freaks and uh, it's just messed up and it was like the dude who who had he had like a i do not know the the medical term for it <laughs> but it's where your like fingers are like melded together and then he called it his claw and i'm like okay you don't really need to do all this either like when i was in elementary school there was like a kid who also had that same condition and okay i guess i didn't know him that well his name was William, but I don't know his last name, so I can't really, you know, dox him or anything. But I really don't think people call him a freak too much, because I feel like you would have seen him being ridiculed and stuff. He's kind of a cool kid. <laughs> so you can really make the most out of your situation if you need to. It's really my whole stance on this. And, yep, freak show. Getting off of my invisible high horse, because I am no one to, to judge, but as no one to judge i don't think that we should judge all those people that were in freak show okay uh they weren't all that quote-unquote freaky like i don't know like they could they should have like made them oh, and then it just felt like and then there was like oh this is what i want to say um pepper one of the characters in there i don't know i think they called her like i feel like bad saying this because i think it's like messed up i called her like pinhead and then she had like i don't know if he was her brother or just someone with the same like condition and then it's like they like really mistreated them and i don't even know but then she ends up like at the end or towards the end ends up getting sent to the asylum from asylum and so it's like her character exists in both seasons and in both of those universes and then you know who also exists in both places uh jessica lang because she's one person in free show but then she's a whole other person like a nun a nun nurse or whatever in asylum and i'm like well how did that not send pepper off the rails because if you see someone that looks exactly like the lady who you just basically worked for would you or would you not freak out i think the answer is that you would so really kind of confused on how that translates like the fact that they put that character in both places really didn't sit right with me i'm not gonna lie so I need to look into these think pieces and theories about the connection between all the seasons. So then we move on to season five, which is American Horror Story Hotel. And that season features Lady Gaga, which gave it immediate points in my book because I really enjoyed Lady Gaga, right? I really, the music, for the most part, these later eras. Okay, this last, okay. Art pop, cheek to cheek, not for me. Chromatica, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't hate chromatica i just don't think that i love it as much as i love the the other lady gaga errors and and i even loved the joanne era it was just really sad <laughs> um but i 
enjoyed majority of the music on that uh, in that era. But I also thoroughly enjoy Lady Gaga, and you know I liked A Star Is Born. I liked all that music too, but I liked her in that. Um, I liked her. Did I, I like I think I liked her in this. It was Hotel, which is really a hot mess. Again, a bunch going on. Also had to see a bunch of kids essentially get like kitty murdered, uh, like kid vampires. Ugh, super kid death. It's like, what are we doing? Um, and then we kind of just like have to like embrace all that kitty death. Like for it's like fourth graders, and then they're all like vampires now, like on a hunt for blood. I don't know. I think they killed the teacher probably. It was wild actually. And then the fact that we had to just keep it pushing and get past that. Mm, I don't know. And then it was like people coming up out of uh, mattresses. Hotel was wild. And then again, you kind of didn't know who was dead or not. That whole. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how to say that whole. I don't know. It was just dark, twisty, vampiric. Vampiric? Is that a word? I don't know, but I was here for Lady Gaga. The smooth face man, I think, was back. Wait, the smooth the smooth face man was back. But the person I'm actually thinking of right now is Matt Matt Bomer and he's not the man the other man I'm thinking of. Um they had this whole like little vampire like orgy kill session that was set to that one song that might be called I Wanna Tear You Apart. But anytime I hear it, all I can think about is that, like this scene in American Horror Story. It's like I cannot hear it detached from that. It was just such, it was such a scene. Um, really wild. And then also in this season, uh, this season also loops back to Coven because at one point you see Queenie, who was um, Gabourey's character in Coven, like come into the hotel in this one. And I'm pretty, I think they killed her. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they killed her, right? It was wild. And then, um, but yeah, but Hotel, like, got points because Lady Gaga was in it, but then it lost some points because Jessica Lange wasn't in it. So it was like, did it, did that just, like, even it out, like, the plus and the minus, like, cancel each other out? I don't know. So then, season six, I ranked it as the worst season. That's because I never finished it. Um, I never got past, like, episode three. I don't know what happens in there. It's called Roanoke, and I got, I don't know. It, again, felt like too much because it was, like, a document like dramatization but then also the real thing but then also like a reality show it was too much i couldn't figure it out and i was like really had like high hopes for roanoke because i think that the like the story of roanoke the, the like the town that disappeared is interesting or at least i thought that's what roanoke was the, the town that disappeared um i find that fascinating but then this just like didn't deliver um, so again, another even season that wasn't for me. Then season seven of American Horror Story is a uh, cult, which again, I was super looking forward to because I think that cults are fascinating. I do not want to be in one. I don't want to start one. I just think that they're interesting. Like the draw, the, like the, like the startup. I, I don't know. I find it fascinating. So I was like looking forward to it. And then like, it didn't really feel like a cult to me like yeah there was this like charismatic dude who was like getting secrets out of people and kind of like coercing them to bend to his will in this like i don't know greater sense of i don't know community or something 
But again, too much running on, right? Because then you got Sarah Paulson and she's got that one, that one phobia where you're like afraid of like holes, like hole, holes, like the collection of like holes, like, like a beehive for like mess you up or like, um, you know, any of the stuff. And I don't have that fear necessarily, but I really do get like uncomfortable skin kind of crawly when it comes to certain, certain things. Like a beehive is like fine. Um, or like, I guess like honeycomb is what I mean. Um, that's fine. But then like, I don't know, the coral kind of freaks me out or like just certain ones really mess me up, but not all of them. So then I don't have the phobia, but it's just like unnerving, makes me uneasy and I don't like it. Um, but she had that whole little fear thing and then her wife was kind of like trash, but then she was kind of like trash and it was like double crossing and it's like, haha, tee hee hee, I'm in the cult. And then it's like, haha, actually I just killed you, haha, poison, I don't know. Um, and then it was, like, the election was going on, and it was, like, I don't remember if it was, like, legit, like, Trump, uh, or if it was, like, Trump-like person, or if it was this cult dude that was running. Maybe the cult dude was kind of Trump-esque. I can't remember. But it was just, it was just a lot going on, and I don't think that it's the worst season, because I think that's Roanoke. <laughs> um, and then I also think that, I also think that I think that Asylum is worse than this one. So... I think I meant to say Freak Show. <laughs> I think Freak Show is worse than this one. But it's like, there's a lot. There's like elections going on. There's Cheetos and <laughs> like Cheeto dust on fingers and apparently cults and then like agreements and bacon deals and like double crossings. And it was just, it was just a lot. But I will say that if you are uh, easily spooked, this is the least spooky season like it just is like it's the least scary way less scary than the hotel nonsense less scary than the killer clown less scary than alien abductions corrupt nuns and all that other stuff and less scary than the ghost of business and witches right so this is the least spooky season um but then it's also kind of a commentary on uh life in general because it was like dealing like around election time and all of those feelings of uh hopelessness and helplessness and you know that stuff so then we get to season eight which the only even season i trust uh because we get it tied in uh there was a nostalgia factor to season eight uh apocalypse it there was i was super excited for apocalypse because i heard uh, that there would be tie-ins to Murder House and also Coven. And I was like, those are my favorites. And we're bringing them back, uh, you know, a victory lap. So I was super looking forward to it. And I did enjoy season eight. Um, I loved the witch tie-in. I loved I loved the, mur- the Murder House kind of crossover event. Um, I thought it was great. It was like the beginning of season eight, The like the first part of that first episode super freaked me out because it it just felt like something that could that could happen or something that was like on the cusp of happening this like I think it was like essentially like nuclear warfare that was resulting in the end of times and then like rich people were trying to go in their bunkers and all this other stuff and it was like mm, too real like too on the nose I'm terrified right so I've said before literally in this episode that like, horror movies and a bunch of that stuff doesn't, isn't what gets me. Like, it's not that stuff. It's how possible 
is the thing that's happening. So, like, this super freaked me out. Um, there's this movie called The Strangers. Uh, or maybe it's called, I think it's called The Strangers or it's called Strangers. And it's, like, these, um, these people that are wearing these, like, masks. And they're tormenting this, like, couple in this random, random house. Uh, that kind of in like I'm gonna call it like a suburb or the country where it's like not it's not like all by itself but it's also not a super populated area and they're tormenting this couple and like no one's coming to the rescue the phone lines are I guess they cut them they can't get help and and then in the movie spoiler for the movie they end up shooting the help actually on accident and when you get to the end of the movie again this is a spoiler for the movie strangers and they asked them, like, why did you do this? And those people said, because you were home. And that line right there was the most chilling I'd ever experienced when I seen the when I when I saw this movie. And I was I was younger. Um, maybe I don't actually know when it came out. So I wanna say that I was around like thirteen or between like thirteen and fifteen. That line messed me up because I was like, Oh my god, that's way too way, way too possible. I'm home all the time. I didn't live in, like, a secluded area. But I'm, like, I'm home all the time. Someone could just do this. And it really just was, like, people can just do anything they want to do, essentially. And that really messed me up and the whole thoughts behind that. And so that movie scared me because of how real it felt it could be. And then there was a sequel. And the sequel was also good. Like, I really do enjoy the movie The Strangers. And I also like the sequel. So it was cool. Um, but those like messed me up because I thought they were real and then I laugh at this like now but there is this movie it's called um, series seven the contenders and it was one of those movies that I ended up seeing like in the middle of the night because my mom fell asleep watching tv and it was uh very hunger games-esque except if hunger games was set in like a regular city this didn't happen in Chicago but that's where I'm from so just Imagine the Hunger Games set in Chicago and uh, these people get like drafted and it's not based on like different sectors or anything. It's just like random people get like drafted into this thing. Once you turn 18, you're eligible and um, then you have to literally fight to the death uh, and kill everyone else before you get killed. Right. And I thought that this was a like true story. (laughs) I thought it was like. I think I thought it was like a documentary, basically. And so I was horrified because one of the one of the people, there was like a pregnant woman, there was like an 18-year-old girl, and I was just like, oh my goodness, that's going to be me. I'm going to get drafted, and then I'm going to have to kill or be killed. And I was horrified, and I watched the whole thing, right? And I don't know, I guess spoilers for Series 7, The Contenders, I watched like the whole thing, and then the pregnant woman ends up in a in like a movie theater and then she like has to give birth and she's like wait please don't kill me just let me have like you can kill me afterwards but please let me just have this baby first and then there's kind of like a like a love story that develops like her and it's like black man oh man I thought the whole thing was real I was terrified they were like in the mall like shooting because they just were like equipped with all these weapons and why was I horrified? And the next day, my cousin's, like, probably taking me to school or whatever. And I'm telling her about this movie that, like, terrified me and how it's real. And then she's, like, <laughs> she just, like, plainly is, like, yeah, that wasn't a real movie. Like, it was definitely made up. But I didn't believe her because I was, like, nah, it seemed pretty real to me. And, like, I like, it took when she said it, like, face value. But I, it was later that I finally realized that 
that movie is not real. And it wasn't until really I was in high school and I was watching Grey's Anatomy and I got to like season two and I saw this woman. I said, wait a minute. Isn't that the pregnant lady from that one movie that I thought everybody died in? And that's when I realized uh, the, the the lady in question, her actual name, Brooke Smith, she played Erica Hahn in Grey's Anatomy. It wasn't until I saw her in Grey's Anatomy that I realized truly that movie was not real and it was scripted and that's not something that actually happened in like the real world and um ended up watching that movie again <laughs> when I like I, I think I was in high school because I wanted to confront my fears and really you know lay them to rest but that movie messed me up as a as a youth or really <laughs> I really thought it was real I was like mentally preparing to get drafted into this reality show where you gotta kill or be or be killed so uh I've lost, oh, okay, derailed myself. I'm, I'm talking about Apocalypse. Uh, so after that beginning super realistic part of Apocalypse, it seeped into regular American Horror Story fashion where it's kind of ridiculous all over the place. You got robots, you got secret bunkers, you got the end of the world, you got witches, but the witches are the best part. You got warlocks, they brought those in because we didn't really deal with male witches back in um, the coven days. And Billy Porter makes his, like, appearance as a warlock, so I was super into that. Um, Misty Day had a return in this one. Maybe Stevie Nicks. That also could have been Coven. I, I don't really remember. Chanel Oberlin, who isn't Chanel Oberlin, but whoever Emma Roberts plays, she's got to come back. She said her, like, uh, iconic line again. It was... Apocalypse was a good time. There was a nostalgia factor... We got Queenie back from the underworld. You know, we just had fun in there. Uh, lots of fun in the sun. Uh, there was also a bunch of devilly stuff, though, so I will not leave that out. Uh, that is things that those things happened as well. There, the Antichrist was all over that. Uh, so, But I, I enjoyed Apocalypse, and it, it definitely is up there in the rankings, probably based on the nostalgia factor of bringing back my favorite other seasons. And then uh, the last season that we were able to see last year was uh 1984 which was when uh an homage to the like the the slasher films of that time period um so bunch of bunch of just killing and but then also ghosts and then also satanic rituals and satan bringing folks back and letting them live to to, to i don't know bring more souls to satan i don't actually know um plot twists some like summer camp uh setting you know uh double cross you got a lot right redemptions uh was it what is it what is it what execution executions that aren't quite executions right it was a lot um i didn't love 1984 i did enjoy it oh i did like that it was shorter than other seasons because sometimes in american horror story there's a saggy middle Right, the beginning will start strong, the end will be strong, but the middle kind of just like loses you, and that happened frequently when I watched it. Um, but the last season might have only been nine episodes, so it was shorter. didn't Didn't have too much time to sag, so I appreciated that, which is why I like Channel Zero because seasons are so short with this uh, like storytelling. Um, I don't think that every show should have seasons that are six episodes because. I don't think that every show has a saggy middle necessarily. Uh, I do think with the with the rise of streaming that it is more likely for some things to be a little more boring in the middle than they are on like network television because 
whenever with network TV, you want to uh, hook them every single time to bring them back for the next week. But with streaming, you're kind of assuming that they're going to binge it all. And so who cares about the middle? The, the beginning's good to hook you and the end is good to make you remember. Who cares about the middle? It's how some of the I, how I feel like some of these shows operate. Um, but yeah, and then there will be a season 10 of American Horror Story, but due to, uh, COVID, it got pushed, so I think maybe next year we'll see it, uh, happen, and I will watch it when it does, because even though I've got these, you know, complex feelings and critical thoughts, I'm still gonna watch it, because I do generally enjoy it, and I enjoy horror television, because I'm, I will sooner watch a TV show than I will watch a movie, and I don't know what that says about me, it's just like... I don't know. In TV, you get to spend more time with the characters and get more into them. Uh, in, in a movie, it, it's it's quicker, and then you have to feel resolved at the end normally. And I sometimes just feel like you don't always get that. So I don't know. I'm quicker to watch a TV show. Um, so yeah, that like wraps up me talking about a horror anthology series where each season is different. Um, I will do an episode where I talk about the anthology series where each episode is a different, like, plot. Um, that might be the next one I do. Uh, so yeah. On to a show, or a couple shows that I've been enjoying that aren't the ones I just mentioned. Um, so for this whole spooky season, season, no, um, this, like, spooky season series, I have started watching Scream the Series, and I've really been enjoying that. Um, I know I talked about like not loving gore, but I appreciate it every now and then. And this looks like a, a a teen slasher romp. Honestly, it's kind of fun. Like draws you in. There's a little mystery trying to figure out who did it. Like some people will find it obvious, some people will not. I was able to deduce who was doing the doing the crime, but I still did enjoy it, and I enjoyed the reveal as well. Um, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of fun to watch. Um, another show that I've been enjoying is this docuseries available to watch on HBO Max. Um, oh, well, Scream is available to watch on Netflix, as is American Horror Story, which you can also watch on Hulu, right? So you can find American Horror Story on Hulu or Netflix. You can find Castle Rock on Hulu, Hill House on Netflix, and you can find Channel Zero on Shudder. Now back to The Vow which is on HBO Max, and it's a docuseries, which is about um, the organization Nixium, which is N-X-I-V-M, which, I'm like, how do you even pronounce all those letters next to each other? Uh, but it's basically a cult, and within within the cult, there's, like, a subsector that's, like, a sex cult, and, like, people have, like, brands, and each episode is just absolutely wild and there have been like many pieces and like articles and like some recent developments with the whole Nixium thing that have come out and I've uh avoided reading them and I will avoid reading them until I finish until the show finishes just because I kind of just want to see uninterrupted by uh like supplemental material I just want to see what this docuseries is about and then I'll like do some additional research because I still think it's interesting again I find cults fascinating. No, I will not start one. No, I am not in one. Um, but I still think they're interesting. So, the vow is like super good. I each episode like my jaw is like dropping time after time because it's just so wild to me that any of this happened and that it's so like I don't, public or like popular. Like there's all these like 
random like pseudo celebrities are just all up and through it and like in the rankings and it's a a lot and if you have HBO Max I highly recommend you watching it if you don't I highly recommend you reading about Nixium because wow um and then last thing I just want to shout out is Schitt's Creek which I have already seen the entirety of um even the final season I was I was watching it on pop when it was airing but I've been using Schitt's Creek as my like bedtime show um, I know I was watching New Girl, and I actually didn't finish the rewatch, but I will, like, throw it, throw it back in at some point, but I got really into Shit's Creek again, and it won a bunch of awards, uh, at the Emmys, it won so many Emmys, and I do think that the show deserved, uh, I, the show deserved awards, and it deserved acclaim, but then I also have some complex feelings about it winning all those Emmys, because... I was rooting for everybody black, and uh, Shit's Creek won them, so... I mean, black people did win awards, but, like, Shit's Creek took the comedy ones, so then the black people couldn't get them, like Issa Rae uh, or Yvonne Orji. But I... They, they, they deserve to win things, and I was super happy for them. This was their final season, and it was a good final season as well, and the finale was beautiful. I cried. I... It's just good, and it's a great show, and I'm going to bed, and I love it, and I can't wait to finish the rewatch of it. So, if you haven't seen it, you should. It's available on Netflix. Um, yeah. So, uh, to wrap, to wrap this up, up, oh, wait, uh, okay. The, the, the website, yeah, SpillingTV.com, you can read some things I've written. Um, it's not a bunch of things, but I might, I might write something else at some point and put it up there um you can follow me on instagram and twitter both at spillin tv s-p-i-l-l-i-n-t-v personally you can find me at tylerpedia t-y-l-e-r-r-p-e-d-i-a-a i don't post too frequently anywhere or about anything i should i don't know fix that or maybe it's a good thing who knows um other than that uh if you i don't know if i i don't if you're registered to vote, I think it it might be too late to register if you haven't already, but if you're registered, you should vote. Even if, like, if you don't think your vote matters or you're like, what's the point? Well, my question is, what do we have to lose by voting? Like, if you do it, like, what, what is the loss other than your candidate doesn't win, right? So just, just waste the time if that's what you feel it is. You waste more time doing anything else anyway, probably. You probably spend more time on the toilet. So you might as well just go or mail it in or do what you got to do. And all we, all we can do is try. Where, wherever you fall on the scale of hope, all we can do is try to uproot the system or try to, I don't know, try to get out of the situation that we are in right now. So... Do what you can. Try to vote. If you feel like it don't count, I mean, I completely understand because this electoral college is a bunch of nonsense that I don't understand. But again, I say, how much do you really have to lose? Do early voting so you don't have to waste that much time out of your day, right? Then you, what, losing like an hour and a half tops, right? You probably waste more time standing in line at like Marshalls anyway because they only ever have like three registers open. Uh, and the line is always so long. Like, what is up with that? Uh, um, other than that, make some choices. I hope they're good. Uh, watch some good TV and, uh, wear a mask because Rona is still out there and it's still real and people are acting like it's not, but it, it very much is. So take care of yourself.
of your loved ones. And yeah, 